0: This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now, here's your host, Jody Fisher.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. We'll hope August is treating you well. This is a month where a lot of people kind of downshift, right? And uh, take time off. Uh, Everybody kind of goes away. So it's almost like the safe month for people to go away. Although I've been finding this year that there's no safe time for people to go away. The news cycle just seems to keep churning and churning and churning. But hope you're taking some time to at least downshift. Uh, Maybe you're on a beach somewhere. Your favorite vacation uh, spot as you're listening to this um and, and appreciate you tuning in uh we have such a great guest this week that i'm going to skip all the mumbo jumbo that i normally throw into the beginning of the podcast and just get right to it peter shankman is a dad an entrepreneur an iron man a skydiver author keynoter new york city born and raised he's frequently tapped by media as an expert in social media and messaging he is the host of the faster than normal podcast and i am honored to call him a friend peter shankman welcome to the pr podcast What's up, buddy how you doing I am doing well. You are a man of the world. Where do we find you today? I am in New York City. I am in my apartment overlooking Manhattan. I am
0: in Hell's Kitchen. Um, you find me on my 49th birthday, of all things. So it is, it is uh, I already got my workout in, got a, got a good uh, 1.5 mile swim this morning, um, hanging out with my dog, going to uh, pick up my daughter in a bit for, from uh, camp and
1: uh, doing good. So, so here is the obvious question: How do you fit all this stuff into a day, or a week, or a month, or a year? Cocaine. No, I'm. Kidding. Um,
0: <laughs> no, I. You know, I learned a, a long time ago that my ADHD um, <clears throat> is incredibly beneficial if I allow it to be. The biggest problem um, that I have is, you know, I want to do so many things, and so what I have learned is that to do the things i want to do it has to be about priorities certain things have to be important certain things have to not be important and so i am not you're typically you know 49 years old and i I was up at 4 a.m to go to my swim this morning and you know it was funny i was thinking about it i was leaving the apartment i'm like 19 years ago today i threw this ridiculous party um for my birthday and i was probably just getting home at this time and now i'm waking up and leaving to exercise and so Things change, but the benefit is that um, if you want to do certain things, you have to decide which things are not important because we all have the same 24 hours and only 24 hours in the day. So while most people think this is crazy, um, you know, I'm a single dad who's training for this Ironman, and I don't, I don't want my training. Plus, you know, I'm running a company and traveling all over the world for speaking. I don't want my my any of that to impact the time I have with my daughter. And so, you know, she's eight years old. She, her bedtime is what, 7.45 PM. I'm usually asleep by 8, 8.15. And, you know, people think that's crazy, but I'm also up at 3.30 in the morning. Uh, tomorrow morning, I have my daughter this weekend um, and I have to, uh, I have to, as part of my training plan is I have a 70 mile uh, bike ride uh, tomorrow. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do it on my Peloton. And I'm going to start at around 3 AM and I will get on the bike. I will put on the just ride feature. I will turn on probably, I am I'm, I'm rewatching uh, Alias again because Jennifer Garner and well, actually to be honest, because Victor Garber. And so I'm probably going to put on um, uh, season one of Alias and watch four or five, six episodes and bike for three and a half hours and ride 70 miles. And I will be done by six thirty 30 uh, before my daughter wakes up and you decide what you want to do and you do it and, and you, you find a way.
1: That's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on is because I, I think in the, in the PR world that we talk about here on the PR podcast, um, there, there may be this perception that we're always working right? And we kind of always are, right? We've always got our phone there. We're always trying to be responsive and available. That's kind of the job description. Um, But in order to do that effectively, as you are describing, you must prioritize and you must figure out what's important and what you can leave off to the side, right?
0: You have to determine what's important to you. And that is, you know, something that not a lot of people really do. I I run a mastermind group, right? About 50 people. Um, We all, uh, you know, we have our, we use each other for accountability and things like that. And um, one of the things I've noticed is when people leave the um, when they leave the group, they always say, "Oh, you know, I really like it. I just don't have the time." I'm like, well, it's not exactly true. You have the time. You just don't have the desire. Because I know a lot of people who have really tough schedules, you know, and run their companies and raise their kids and do whatever, and they all Seem to have the time. They make the time for what's important. And that's a real key because you find that, you know, I, I remember a friend of mine used to be amazed at how early I got up every morning to work out. And she always said, God, I wish I could do that. That's just amazing. I wish I could get up that early and work out. And finally, one day I just called her and I'm like, you know, I noticed. That you liked a bunch of my photos on Instagram at 2 30 in the morning last night or 1 30 in the morning. Maybe if you were sleeping, you could wake up this early. It's not that you don't have the ability. I'm not doing anything magical. I just decided that this is more important. and. You know, we do work our asses off in PR and marketing and advertising, whatever it is I do, I'm working my ass off. But one thing I learned probably about 10 years ago, I'm not good at it if I'm not taking care of myself first. And that was a really hard lesson to learn, Jody, because I remember I was quoted in a daily news piece once about caffeine. They came to my office and they they took a picture of me sitting behind my desk, you know, with like covered in Diet Coke cans and, and, and Diet Pepsi bottles and coffee cups. Yeah, you know, Peter sleeps about three hours a night, drinks a lot of caffeine. I was killing myself, man. I wasn't, I wasn't being useful, I wasn't being healthy. I wasn't, and you know, you realize that it it is just so much more that matters. And so I am, I get six, seven, eight hours a night. And for me, that's what really matters because I know that that's what's going to make me be at my best, as my best for work my best as a parent my best is everything right and so you gotta take care of yourself first and and you're never going to you're never going to be at the point where anything any relationship you have is longer than the relationship with yourself I don't care how much you love your job, how much you love what you do, you're never going to find anything that's more important than the relationship you have with yourself, and so if you're not handling that one first, that's sort of the foundation, if you're not handling that one first, everything else is going to kind of yucky.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, I, I, I find that, um, and you and I have similar schedules, I'm an early riser as well, um, I've eliminated a couple destructive things from my life as well, never felt better, um, and, and I think we, we, we give ourselves an awful lot of rope, <laughs> To hang ourselves with, um, we we if there's ex- if there are people that we make excuses for the most, we make excuses for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I even had a tweet about. I just thought of this. I had a tweet about this uh, several months ago. About you know, don't listen to the voices in your head because the voices in your head will talk you out of anything. They will. Yeah. They will help you at least from my personality. They'll they'll make me take the low road every time. They'll make me stay in bed. They'll make me you know slack off of work <clears> or whatever. And if you keep listening to those voices. Um, you're going down a path that you're going to have a hard time recovering from. And so love to hear your story about how you have carved out that time for yourself to do all these amazing things that one, you do. One of the things that I've learned, um, in, uh, there's, a, there's a quote I once heard,
0: it's called um, playing the tape forward. And what I learned was that when I, when that alarm was off at 3.30 in the morning and I don't want to get up, And that happens, we're human, that happens. Um, I think about how I'm gonna feel in 12 hours. How am I gonna feel at 3.30 in the afternoon? Regardless of whether I get up and work out or stay in bed and oversleep, the one guarantee is that 12 hours later will come. The only, I can't control that. What I can control is how I enter 12 hours later. Am I gonna enter 12 hours later? proud of myself for having done that workout? Am I going to enter 12 hours later, feeling stronger, feeling happier? Am I going to enter 12 hours later with all of the dopamine and serotonin and adrenaline still flowing through my workout, my my brain from that workout, which makes me uh, more in control, or am I going to sleep in, wake up maybe a little less tired, but have it hanging over me for the entire day that I didn't do the thing I wanted to do. And look, I'm not perfect. Of course I miss workouts every once in a while and I oversleep and I sleep in. And it happens, we're human beings, but I find that playing the tape forward allows me to prevent, helps me prevent myself from talking myself out of things a lot more uh, than, um, than if I don't. So how am I gonna feel this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, you know, the Iron Man's in 65 days, how am I gonna feel in 65 days? If I don't get that seventy-mile ride in tomorrow, how am I gonna feel at mile eighty of the bike ride when it's a hundred degrees outside and I have a, I still have a forty miles and a damn marathon in front of
1: me? And that's the Kona. I my understanding is that's the hardest one in the world, right?
0: Yeah, I'm not very smart, Jody. Um, <laughs> it it is the hardest one in the world. It is the Kona Ironman takes place in Kona, Hawaii, on a, essentially on a mountain, uh, on a volcano. It is the winds on the bike course are approximately forty miles an hour um, crosswind, so you never actually get a tailwind. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be a long ass day, well, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it to raise one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is uh, I feel like a really good thing. If you're gonna if you're gonna kick, get your own ass kicked, that's probably the good way to do it.
1: A- absolutely. And our paths cross there. I have done work for the local chapter of the Leukemia ah. and Thomas Society here on Long Island as well. So I know the great work that they do um, and the way they really, to, to use your phrase, kick ass uh, in, in what they do. Um, let, let's pivot to, um, you know, shy of the personal stuff. What is the most important uh, business thing that Peter Shankman is doing right now? I am doing several things. I mean, I'm still
0: speaking. I'm still, you know, a lot of it's virtual, which again, for the ADHD in me makes it interesting because, you know, I plan my day out so meticulously because that's how I handle my ADHD. I have a calendar that's full and I'm, I'm always busy. Busy, you know, and, or at least have booked. And free time is not necessarily my favorite thing because, you know, who knows, right? So it used to be a, a keynote in Tokyo would take four days. They leave on Tuesday, get there on Wednesday, speak on Thursday, come back on Thursday night. Now, a keynote in Tokyo over Zoom takes about 45 minutes. And um, so now it's like a Tuesday morning. Like, all right, well, that's all I needed to do for the week. Um, Let's, I don't know, I can start a company or experiment with meth. You know, (laughs) (laughs) buy a pizza, right. Right, right. (laughs) Right. So you want to to make sure you're keeping yourself busy and occupied. So what am I working on right now? I'm still speaking. I am still consulting. I'm helping um, uh, various companies focus on neurodiversity. The premise that um, the premise that uh, hiring the neurodiverse, so ADD, ADHD, autism, executive function disorder spectrum, those people wind up uh, generating a level of creativity that comes to um, uh, that comes to businesses. that businesses sorely need, and businesses don't really know how to do that. And so, I'm doing a lot of that, which is. Beneficial for the company. I enjoy doing it. Um, I still run my podcast called Faster Than Normal, which focuses on ADHD and 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 uh, the benefits of it. We have had over two hundred something interview, uh, two hundred something uh, interviews and, and, and episodes. Um, being an awesome dad which is a lot of fun. And then I I, I had to put my foot down and tell my daughter that we'd never that we just don't have the room or the time for a dog. So I have a dog, and um, we are we are ten month the dog's ten months old and we're having a blast with him. So work wise. You know, I'm doing a lot of everything because it keeps me busy and focused. I have a cryptocurrency now. It's called Shenk Coin. It runs, it lives on the Rally Network. It's about, it's worth about eight fifty dollars a coin, which is pretty crazy. Um, and that, that coin can be used for access to me. It can be used uh, to purchase things. It can be, it's pretty amazing. It runs on the Rally Network on the, off the back of Ethereum. So it actually, you could buy it on Coinbase. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's pretty exciting. Uh, That's it, growing like a wildfire. So um, yeah, I'm staying busy. I'm still, I'm, I'm still, uh, it's funny, I have a um, I have a uh every once in a while I get this bug in my head that says, you know, you should really buy Harrow back. And then I'm like, yeah you don't want to do that. But it's it's like it's like the, the two Kermit memes, the, the meme of the two Kermits talking to each other, the good Kermit and the bad kermit. You know, you should do something kind for the universe. You should buy Harrow back. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna do that, but but I I am I am definitely staying busy. I'm I'm an angel investor in several companies. Um uh, one of the companies I'm advisor to just just got acquired, which is really nice. Great company called Dynamic Signal. They were acquired by Social Chorus. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, you know, I'm waiting for in-person events to come back because those fourteen hours on a plane to Asia or or to, to Australia or whatever are really my sanity
1: uh, reboot and brain reboot, and I miss that so so terribly. Well, you wrote an entire book on a plane, if I remember Never correctly, right? Um, let's talk a little, you brought it up. So let's talk a little bit about Harrow and, and, you know, you, you were the founder, the creator of Harrow. Um, what, what, and and there are lots of ways to connect with reporters. And we, we talk a lot here on the podcast about, you know, how to connect with reporters, um, from research to ethical, um, to how you pitch, et cetera. Um, when you created that, what was the, the inspiration? Why did you feel you needed to create that? I talk to everyone. My ADHD means that I talk
0: to everyone. If you're in a plane next to me, unless you fake your own death, I'm going to know everything about you by the time we get off the plane. Now, notice I didn't say you're going to know everything about me. I like to listen. I like to learn. So I created this ridiculous, I had this massive Rolodex. A reporter started calling me. Was just, hey, you know, you know everyone. I'm doing a story on blah, blah, blah. who do you know. And in my head, it was just it was a way to help people, right? It was, it was a really nice way to just, you know, let me connect some people, do, do a good deed. And I wasn't really planning on doing anything with it. Um, and then I remember like it was yesterday I had, I was running for a subway and I, I missed the, the door, the door closed, I like slammed into the side of the subway and I broke a rib. And so it was the one time in my life I ever took a Percocet. And so I'm lying in my bed high as a kite on this Percocet. And I get a phone call from PR Newswire who owned a Profnet. And they said, you're, you're stealing our queries. And mind you, high as a kite on a Percocet. No, no. So, well, well, we put out a query that you. We saw you. You put out a query, and we put out, hey, a reporter sends me the same query. I send they. They send to you. How? No, no. Nah. And and, but seriously, I was like, hey, look, the reporter sends us the same query to both of us. How am I stealing your queries? I'm like, and then because I was high in person, I'm like, oh my god, probably you're like totally stealing my queries. And um. I said, guys, look, I have 150 members in my little newsletter. It's not, it's a Facebook group for fuck's sake. You know, here's, buy, when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm no longer on this Percocet, buy me a steak and a martini for dinner and I will give you those members. I'm not doing this to make money. And they said, fine, we'll be in touch. And they they up the phone. And then a week later, I was like working. I'm like, I just had this memory. I'm like, holy shit, they, they threatened me when I was in the Percocet haze. They never <laughs> called back, how rude. Oh, I'm totally blowing this up. And that was literally, they could have had Harrow for the cost of a steak and a martini. And 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 they didn't. And 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 when I realized and I remembered, I'm like, man, they think this soon, oh, screw this. Like 24 hours later, I had a website and um I had a mailing list and, and yeah, the, the rest is history. It, the difference was I didn't charge for it and I allowed you to forward the queries to other people. And it blew up. God, it blew up. Um and it was fun. It was so much fun. I remember. 2008 so it's 13 years Jesus, 13 years ago today I remember like Harrow was probably about 20,000 people big and all the agencies were on it and I announced the morning Harrow that was my birthday and by like 2 p.m there were like six cakes that were sent to my apartment from different agencies it was so funny but no man I just I always wanted to help and, for, you, and a great like, gift for a guy with ADHD <laughs> right just seriously more sugar but no I just I like helping people you know and so for me it was really like what can I, how can I help people? What can I build that helps people? What can I do? And, you know, and that's everything I've always wanted to do.
1: Yeah. It, and, and it's, a, it was, it was an incredible resource. It continues to be a very, very helpful resource to a lot of PR people. Um, and, and I feel like we, you know, in our day to day are also inundated with all these sort of shiny new objects, right. That can help us do our job better. Um, and I think <clears throat> you, you probably agree with me that, that it, it still comes back to what you practice every day, which is relationships. You know, getting in with reporters, giving them something of value uh, when you interact with them and having them think of you as a reliable and valuable resource that they can come back to when they need something. And, and giving them something, whether it's your client or whether it's just something else, just being helpful to them, that's what creates that relationship.
0: I think one of the biggest, thing, um, biggest things that we don't realize is that, and I learned this very early on, Public relations is not about making your client happy. Public relations is about making the reporter happy. If you make the reporter happy, your clients will be happy by default. And reporters today have to do 10 times more with five or five times more with 10 times less, 10 times more with five times less. And so, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, how can I help them? I mean, literally the company was named to help a reporter out, right? How can I help um, these reporters and make their lives easier? And, 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 and that is what allowed me to build the company because it was it was useful i created something useful um <clears throat> you know I, I it's funny the only downside to don't really downside i don't i don't do pr anymore is i can't pitch anymore I, i'm i'm so inside baseball people still know me as the Harold guy like if i ever have a pitch they're like hey peter hi Harold. i'm like i just told it 11 years ago i'm trying to i have an idea for a story you know <laughs> but no it's i just wanted to help people that's that's really all i've ever wanted to do and,
1: and we see you on cnn all the time yeah um they typically tap you as I guess my impression, um, not only a social media expert, but sort of a marketing and communications expert in what you're talking about in terms of helping people and exchanging information, right?
0: Helping people, I talk, so I talk about uh, for PR, PR, CNN calls me, and MSNBC calls me, to work. they call me to talk about marketing, advertising, PR, they come to talk about branding, bad branding, good branding, you know, when, when, when a company does something stupid and they get an uproar, I get called for that, it's, it's funny, a lot of it has, uh, you know, it seems like they're doing that every single day now, so it's like, almost, it's almost the norm, which is really funny, it's like not as much, of a, not as much calls as you might imagine, because they're doing stupid, companies doing stupid crap all the time the bar keeps getting lower as, as scary as that seems, but no, it's fun. They call me a lot. And, um, they actually love the fact that I am, uh, that I live in New York and I have a high high tech camera setup, so I can actually look, I look, I don't look like I'm staring into a, a Mac, you know, uh, they, the, my joke is that I, no matter how good I feel about myself, I might, I might drop a ton of weight. I'm, I'm getting stronger because of the races, the training yet. I still, uh, I open up that front facing
1: camera and it's like, Hey, there, are you Shrek looking bag of bitch? has yeah. not
0: changed. <laughs>
1: Never. Yeah, that so really doesn't matter. doesn't matter, man. Those webcams do nobody anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of uh, uh, dumb decisions by by companies um, and the last 18 months, you know, and everything we've all gone through and, and certainly not to make light of, of this, this very serious life or death consequences of that. Um, have you seen any companies either make great decisions or lousy decisions in the last 18 months and, and maybe even you. Um, you know, speculate on what companies might need to do going forward in the context of COVID pandemic and what we're dealing with right now with Delta?
0: Companies need to understand that, that it's still very much a crazy, weird time for all of us. And we are in a, in a ridiculous situation to the point where the problem is that no one knows. There is no answer. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can't tell you where everything's going to go. Um, no one can. And so, to 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 make judgment calls like ah, we're going back to the office in August. Well, when when that judgment call was made, Delta variant didn't exist, right? You know, um, what's the what's the joke? Man, man plans while God laughs, Um, or God laughs while man plans, whatever. And so, so, so I think the best thing that companies can do right now is to the the people running the companies put themselves in the shoes of the employee who doesn't really have the ability to call the shots for that company. you know, it's one thing to say, we'll go back to the office when your office is on the top floor in a sanitized room. It's another thing to say, we'll go back to the office when you're in a cubicle farm of 400 people and you don't know who's gotten vaxxed because we can't trust anyone anymore. So I think that one of the things that has happened, um, COVID has, has fast forwarded the concept that yeah, it is very easy to work from home and we can remote and we can do these things. Um, and by the way, all that productivity loss you thought you were gonna have, you're not having. More importantly, the neurodiverse are loving, working from home because now they can work the way they want and be that much more productive. In some cases, 15, 20, 25% more productive. So the biggest thing that companies need to understand is that they can't just make draconian decisions and assume everything will fall into place. Nothing falls into place, right? So it has to go from, um, it has to start from a place of caring and a place of uh, we are willing to let um, uh, people learn what the best situation is and we will adapt from there.
1: Um, speaking of um, uh, throttling back, I should say to to public relations and, and reporters and media um, have. What is your assessment of how the media has covered the pandemic? And I'm specific. I'm specifically thinking of um, uh, the, the factual and less than uh, factual information that's being uh, that's being put out there. Um, you know, it's it's my it's my impression that. Um, and I just had this frustration even this morning as, as we're taping this, um, this this seemingly equal platform that uh, m- anti-vaxxers and misinformation folks are given relative to factual information that are sort of put on the same plane sometimes, and I think um, very dangerously so by the media um, in the name of both sides. And, and really, sometimes, in my opinion, when it comes down to it, there really is no both sides in here. We all agree that the all the medical professionals agree that the the vaccine is safe and everybody should be taking it. Um, Do you see any uh, good or bad decisions being made by media in the context of reporting on COVID? The problem
0: with what the media is doing is that they are trying to put stuff out as quickly as they get it because everyone else is doing that. And the downside is that we don't necessarily see what is happening, where, uh, the actual facts are coming from. And, and it doesn't take much in our society today to convince people otherwise. You know, we, we just several, I'm not getting political here, but several months ago, we had a commander in chief who's the leader of the free world who suggested that uh, injecting bleach or putting light up your butt or, uh, you know, could, 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 could solve the problem. And, you know, there is such a divide right now that look, from, from a business standpoint, not an ethical standpoint, from strictly a business standpoint, you know, if I'm running a news a news organization and I am working strictly from a business standpoint, yeah, I'm going to take full advantage of that divide and I'm going to to capture that audience as much as I possibly can and and use it use that divide as a way to generate revenue because I know what my audience is doing. Like, look at Fox News, right? On the flip side, CNN does the same thing uh, on the on the other side of the coin. But you know, so that's and and you saw what happened when CN, when Fox News called Arizona. Uh, before anyone else, they lost a third of their audience, right? So, I mean, granted, they all went to, to OAN, which doesn't, <laughs> you know, okay. Um, but, you know, so yeah, there's that really fine line between, wow, this company, uh, you know, we can make a lot of money here, and we also have a duty to the truth. And the problem is, 50 years ago, we didn't, we had a duty to the truth, and it wasn't about revenue. Revenue still mattered, but it was it was more about a duty to the truth. And as the people who used to, to inform us died off, um, unfortunately that was lost and so you know would it be great if companies were companies were able to just tell the sure you know um the problem is is that social media has only amplified that and you're not going to be able to get that that cat back in the bag at all what you can the only thing you can do is make the truth louder than the lies because you're not going to be able to get you know if i can create a meme in facebook and 20 minutes later it's shared by 10,000 people and it's believed you can't stop that. Short of short of banning the internet, you can't stop that.
1: So the key is to create better truth. <laughs> I like that phrase a lot. Better truth. That that's a good that is definitely a good one. I'm gonna steal if you don't mind. Oh feel free. <laughs> um, what's the state of news media? I mean, what's the future? Where are we going? <clears throat> well, I remember 25 years ago, sort was or 30 years ago, I was working in a at the AOL
0: newsroom. And everyone thought, oh, it's you know, it's gonna be citizen journalism. No, 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 that happened. You know, it it's I look at an app like Citizen. Uh, Citizen, I don't know if you have it where you are. Citizen is an app that you keep on your phone. Every time there's anything, it immediately sends you an alert. I don't need an alert at three in the morning that, you know, 18 blocks away, a car flipped over. This is New York City. That's called Tuesday. You know, I, I don't need that. What I need is when something affects me specifically within a two block radius. Until you get down to that point, citizen journalism, local news doesn't really matter to me. I'm still going to Google News. I'm still going to my, my regular sources for information. Uh, short of walking downstairs and seeing the flipped over car, you know, I, I'd like to know what's going on in different ways. The future, I think the future of news is a lot of the sort of citizen journalism apps will be picked up and molded into sort of one outlet. And it will look similar to what we're doing right now, but there will be a lot more uh, Accessibility to it, and availability to it. Fact of the matter is, is, we can go online right now and 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 start reading news about just what's happening in a ten block radius, and and we'll be reading it for the next thirty years. So, we need to figure out a better way to streamline that and a better way to get the information we need when we need it, as it's happening, depending on what we're doing. So, hopefully, that's what we're doing.
1: What role do young journalists play coming up? I mean, people who want to be the journalists of the future, uh, people who want to be the PR people of the future. Um, any advice for them? They have an allegiance to the truth, and I really, really hope that that
0: that is what uh they remember i hope that's what their journalists uh, uh teachers teach them their professors teach them is that is that they have a allegiance to the truth above everything else and and you know i, I just can't stress that enough i mean it, it, if we don't see that and if they don't see that it's gonna be really hard
1: that is a uh, both a uh uh worrisome and challenging uh, and inspiring place to end our conversation, I think, because I think uh, you're totally right. Totally right. Um, we are going to segue in now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast, where we steal a page from inside the actor studio, ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions. I'm sure you're going to love these, Peter. Yeah, go for uh, it. Ready? Here we go. Rapid fire question number one. What is your favorite news source?
0: That's a great question. I, I, I like the New York Times. I like the crossword. I also have a personalized track on
1: news.google.com that I've that I've spent years cultivating to be perfect. All right, we will look that up for sure. Rapid fire question number two: What's your favorite social media platform?
0: I hate every single one of them.
1: No, I I, um, <laughs> I I'm a
0: fan of. I, I like Instagram. It's it, the 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 the. If nothing else, there are some phenomenal photographers on Instagram, and I love being able to. Uh, look at those as a, as a photo major in, in grad school. I love being able to look at those pictures. Fantastic.
1: Rapid fire question number three. I usually ask everybody coffee or alcohol. I will allow you to substitute coffee or whatever. Because <laughs> I know uh, we both we both don't drink. It's
0: funny. I'm not a huge water guy. I mean, I'm not a huge coffee guy. I'm more of a water guy. Um, I love... Um, I love my water. I love my club. I've gotten into club
1: soda over the past several years,
0: and I'm, I, I unfortunately I'll, I have a diet Pepsi habit that no matter how healthy I get, will never ever ever go away.
1: When I stopped drinking, I was amazed at how much um, flavored seltzer out there I didn't know was out there. It's yep. just amazing, and I just keep cases of it in the refrigerator. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Rapid fire question number four: What is your favorite on the run food?
0: My favorite food no matter what the situation is pizza which is not which which goes against what I'm trying to do with this goddamn Iron Man. so I would say my, my on-the-run food things that I keep in my bag um <clears throat> I love um I'm currently addicted to uh, uh these sugar-free ice pops and like four different flavors that I keep in my um freezer and I just it's, this is like my go-to they have zero calories they, they taste like ice pops and and they uh they get me through and having a you a uh, craving, but, um, overall, uh, I, I, always try to keep some beef jerky in my suitcase as well as, um, que- uh, not quest bars, uh, power crunch bars. They are, they very low carb and they, they taste really good.
1: Uh, and the, uh, ice pops must come in pretty handy with your daughter. I know there's, a big, oh, maybe- you know, what's funny? she
0: doesn't love them as much as I do. I'll go through three, few ba- three boxes of them. And, and she's, she's more about like, uh,
1: she wants She wants an apple with Nutella. That's her thing. It's crazy. Your daughter and my daughter should hang out. A <laughs> <Good> joke. <laughs> Rapid fire question number five. And this may be a tough one for you too. I realize these questions are not Peter Shankman questions, but I'll ask it anyway. What do you want to be after you finish this career? <laughs> you already had like 20. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I think that one of the things I enjoy the most is embarrassing. the show to my daughter. And so, uh, and she's eight. So I have 10 more years to do that. Really looking forward to that. You know, I um, uh, I wanted to wear, I, I wore a Thanos bathing suit today uh, for my swim uh, workout and really wanted to wear it um, uh, at, at a swim party that we had a couple of years ago for her and she wouldn't come out of her room until I didn't wear it. So I'm hoping uh, that as, I, I'm hoping that I can be that guy who you see in the YouTube videos who like shows up in a costume every day to pick his daughter up from school, because I just really want to do that. And uh, <clears throat> but I will say that, that, that after this career, I love, being on TV, I love speaking. I love consulting. I love helping people. So anything that allows me to continue to help people, and I'd like to also talk my, talk to my world about, about ADHD and
1: things like that. And um, yeah, continue to show that that's a gift, not a curse. Well, thank you, Peter, for sharing so much of yourself today. You are uh, you are an inspiration to a lot of people, and including me. Uh, and and uh, wish you a lot of luck uh, in the future. Please uh, share with everybody how they can find you online. So my
0: entire world is Shankman.com
1: um i am peter at shankman.com
0: by email and i answer all my own emails i am at peter shankman on all the socials and if any of your listeners so desire they can create a free account at rally.io and then send me an email and tell me their username and i will send them some cryptocurrency for
1: free There you go. You have your marching orders, listeners. Well, thanks again, Peter. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The PR Podcast. And send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and online at JodyFisherPR.com. We'll see you next time on the PR podcast.